This is Declassified. A brief disclaimer that this podcast is not for the mildly mannered, practically perfect, or quickly creeped out. Our manners are not present at this time, and our imperfect selves love talking about everything creepy, mysterious, and strange, which means there's sometimes expletives involved. Well, most times. So please keep this in mind if there are any ears that have been hearing things for less than 13 years, or however old enough you think is okay to hear a swear, or a few. Just going by the Motion Picture Association of America guidelines, we don't judge you. We try our best to find legitimate info on the interwebs while we're researching, but in all honesty, we're four women working full-time and raising families, except for one of us who just needs to remember to feed her cat twice a day, and sometimes she, uh... She can't even do that. But um, again, no judgment. So sit back, don't judge us, and enjoy the show. Oh, I'm Look ready. Look what she's untapped. Reels. So another strange disappearance. Debbie Mello, last seen on June 20th, 2000, uh, between 3 and 4 p.m. by her husband, Lewis. Uh, according to reports, they were heading back from a dermatologist appointment in Weymouth. They lived in Taunton. So there's um, a big, like, there's a, a, Route 18 is a is a big, busy road. Um, it goes all the way from, like, Middleborough all the way to Weymouth and beyond. I'm sure it's a lot longer than that, but that's the stretch that I know. Um, they were on Route 18, and they were having an argument in their car. And basically... Lewis pulled over and Debbie got out and he kept driving and 30 minutes later he was like I shouldn't leave my wife I guess which is so nice of him and (laughs) turned around and went to go find her and oh she's never seen again Um, and they proved that he wasn't just making this shit up well so from what I've read they can say that they were at the dermatologist's office they can say that they were on Route 18, but there's differing reports on whether he reported her one to three days later that she was missing. Oh. So that sounds like a So the police thing. search, like, a 1,400-acre wooded area of Route 18, but they never found anything. Um, today, that same stretch is now, like, condos and shopping malls, and, like, it's all built up now. Um, there were, there have been some reports of like trouble in their marriage and Lewis never participated in any of the searching of his wife. So he never went on any of the searches. Um, Guilty. but he was questioned by police numerous times and he's never been charged with any foul play, um, because there's no body. So right. they can't say that he did anything to her when they can't say right. that she's dead. Um, Debbie's family though, continues to push, um, for answers and to continually like keep this case open. And as recently as a year ago, there was a large dig. And I remember these reports. There was this huge dig that was happening in the front yard of a home, two streets down 
from where Debbie and Lewis lived. At the time when she was, she went missing, it was a wooded area. And then it became a neighborhood. Yeah. And I guess I, the, like the brother-in-law like posted all over Facebook, like dogs have found her. Um, they're doing a dig, like all the stuff. And the police were like, can you shut the fuck up? Like no one's supposed to know that we're digging (laughs) like for a body. Dude. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Like her brother-in-law, sorry, not her brother. Um, they had hit on a maple tree in the front yard of someone's house, and they dug up this person's entire front yard and never found anything. So the search continues for, um, you know, Debbie Mello, uh, but her family is convinced that he had something to do with it. And, I mean, I'm sure that he did, because who doesn't search for their own wife? Yeah. And, you know, who, like, doesn't report her right away? And... I'm sorry, not for nothing. Like, do you really just let your wife get out of the car and, like, you just drive away? Like, even if I was screaming and, like, get out of the car and, like, I start walking, I feel like Jason wouldn't just leave me. No. I feel like What year was this, though? 2000. Oh, yeah. Because in the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, strange shit went down. (laughs) Some strange shit. That's right, y'all are. Yeah. And we lived through it, and... That shit would have happened. And you're like, maybe not thirty minutes, maybe yeah, that's, fifteen. That's what I'm saying like, I but yeah, you would have let them threaten your the... kids. I'm gonna let you out right here. We would have done it. My mom it... left the store <laughs> and would be like, "But did she know?" <laughs> yeah, but she'd be right there. Like, <laughs> he's obviously guilty. <laughs> Lo and behold. Again, disclaimer, we are not allowed to Sorry, yeah. definitely say, but we're pretty sure he's guilty. I'm um, also not qualified to make that statement. I am a producer. Well, by my small paragraph. <laughs> Thank you. That is like our doink doink, but it's a bing. So, um, uh, another strange... Um, well, sad murder is um, Sherry Lynn Bishop. Uh, her nude body was found dis- uh, was found on June 25th, 1991, next to uh, railroad tracks in Brockton, Massachusetts. The night that she was killed, she had asked her mother to call her in the following morning to make sure she was up for an appointment with the Social Security office. Um, she lived in an apartment with a male roommate. Uh, Sherry's sister spotted her at a gas station that night and pulled over to give her a bunch of shit about wearing her sneakers. I guess Sherry was wearing her sister's sneakers and um, the sister found her at a gas station. And so her sister saw her. um, And then her sister also saw her get into a dark four-door sedan. Um, Later, she was then spotted again by friends. She was yelling on her phone at her roommate um, about, like, having a different like another girl at the apartment and um, that she didn't want her there. Uh, Investigators still don't know what happened between the phone call and when her body was found just before 7 a.m. She was ruled a strangulation, but investigators are still unsure if she was strangled and left at the scene or if she was murdered somewhere else and dumped there. Um, This kind of like stands out to me because, you know, she was found kind of crudely, like her body was nude and they really have no leads on how she got there, why she was murdered, um, no connection to really anyone. 
um, in the area. So it's a still, it's like a cold case that they're reopening because of the DNA, like the new DNA information mm-hmm. that they can now either try to test or they may go back to some of the evidence and see if they have anything um, that they can move forward with. And then um, Jennifer Lynn Fay uh, was another uh, missing girl in November 14th of 1989. Jennifer was babysitting her siblings when she was asked, when she asked her cousin to come watch them so that she could go out to a party. She was 16 years old. The cousin came over around 10 p.m., Uh, She initially went to a friend's home, but the friend wasn't there and the mother didn't let her in. Uh, The mother later, like, says that she was intoxicated and that she didn't know why she was there, but that she was with a a friend. She was with a male friend. Um, Her and the male friend went to a convenience store where the male friend left her and she was never seen again. Uh, she was initially. And they didn't have like CCTV on her. It was 1989. What town? This was. Uh, Rockton. Yes. Well, I she is. I think this was in Brockton, um, but it was 1989. So I don't know. Was CCTV yeah. a thing? I back think then? so. Yeah. I think so. So, um, I think that she left the convenience store and was never seen again. Like the male friend left her there and then she left the convenience store and disappeared. She was initially ruled a runaway because she had run away before, but she had always like, she had come, like she had stayed in the area and people had seen her. Um, and it was changed to a missing person. Faye's family had been working with a private investigator for years. And as of August, 2018, the family cited um, that they were very close to bringing Jennifer home. They had they actually just opened a park for her um, in Brockton. They like dedicated a park to her. They said they were very close to bringing Jennifer home, and that she is thought to be buried on private property in Brockton. And they're working on getting corroboration in order to move forward with legal action to like wow. search that property and uncover her. Wow. So, um, yeah, just kind of like one of those another reopened case in the Bridgewater Triangle that kind of has like a, a following behind it. Mm-hmm. It's great that they're able to reopen these cases. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. Just a couple other notable um, disappearances. Ashley Millet, Milet, um, and Linda Schofeld. Linda was 50 and Ashley was 20, were discovered um, in December of 2014. Ashley's dismembered body was found on top of Linda's skeletal remains. Um, in, so it was like a new murder on top of an old yes, murder? So, in the Freetown State Forest? No, this was in Brockton, um, which is on also like just inside the Bridgewater Triangle. On the opposite, the opposite side of yeah. the Okay, so if we're, we're looking at a triangle, the A, B, C side, where are we at? We're looking, so if A is the top, yeah, yeah, it's like at the very top, like on that radial, whatever. B side? Yeah, that sounds, North yeah. of West Bridgewater, which yes. is at the top of the triangle. Which is my hood. Which, yes. Susie's so, hood. Susie's hood. Yes. So there's like... Hood. I have Susie. no hood here. I'm just an innocent bystander. Welcome to the party, <laughs> She's sister. She's wearing a crew neck. She doesn't, she doesn't have a hood. She's the California transplant. Yeah, there we go. That's bad. <laughs> um, 
So um, the cause of death still hasn't been released, but um, DNA found on both bodies and on three rape victims was sent to a lab in Virginia and a composite sketch that would match the DNA was released in 2017. Um, he has currently not been found. So basically, what? so yeah, so basically so the, same, the same DNA was found on Linda, all of them, Ashley, and then three, um, like in connection with three rapes. Oh my God. So he could be a serial killer that we don't know yes, about yet. That we don't know about yet. And basically the lab in Virginia was able to tell them like, it is, um, like a black male, um, in a, like, with these features, like, facial features and, like, all this stuff. So they created a sketch and they reopened oh the case um, in March of 2017 because of wow. things like the Golden State Killer, killer case. Right. So this um, was a familiar DNA. Technology. Yeah, that they've reopened. Really cool. um, and they've gotten a flood of tips. Nothing's panned out yet, but... Um, you know, it's it, also like a struggle for those departments to have people on those. Cases of course, all the time. They're that the area too. Like they're dealing with situations at present. Like, oh my god, that are there are then. so many. So it's like all those and that's hard, the thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. So that's the thing is that mm-hmm. there are there are murders and disappearances that um, are like very like I don't want to say cut and dry, but it's like drug like drug deals that have gone bad there are like right. gang affiliations there's like a bunch of like motive motive yeah. things that like there are murders like all Every the time day. in in those areas but you know ashley was dismembered and then she was found on top oh. of linda and who you was know decomposed who was, de- who was skeletal like down so that's years, years. in between yeah. so you know that there's another so he like and, and it was it was like a wooded area so it's not like it just felt like someone definitely knew where to go to like right. put to hide to, yeah to hide, hide the, the body. body and what year was this that they were found again 2014 oh, this is from 2014. yeah and then um the dna was sent um, and a sketch composite was um, in 2017. Um, Could we find that sketch composite? Yeah, there? absolutely. We yeah, it yeah, they have it um, on the website. I'm going to cover the puck wedgie next. So they're um, these little creatures that are two to three feet tall, so only like a little bit shorter than me. Um, they have features that look like a troll. They have gray skin, Cute large noses. They are. they are adorable. We have some Pukwudgie beer here from Down the Road Beer Company. Um, also, um, <coughs> sponsor. <laughs> um, in Everett, Mass. Yes. Yes. It's a Massachusetts But beer. that's not in the trial. It's not, but no. I'm oh, sure we'll okay. we, be okay. we could find it's something, local. some weird happenings in Everett, Mass. Okay, um... So next, uh, they have magical poison arrows that kill and create fire. So their story is actually a really interesting one. They started off in the Cape Cod area. and They did? Yep. And they traveled up? Yep. So I'll tell you how. They, they didn't actually do it On themselves. Bigfoot's back? No, on this other creature called Mashoff or Maushoff. A, cre- a creation giant believed by the Wampanoag 
to have created most of Cape Cod. Who knew? Uh, okay. So. Oh, now you is... don't believe? <laughs> now you don't believe? Are you really? I am. I'm going. This asshole. I'm, I'm calling like bullshit. on footprints. I'm calling bullshit on this. However, the Pukwudgie could be real. I just don't think that they came on the back of someone mm. that created Cape Cod. Oh, I'll tell you why. Creationism? Is that yeah. where we're going now? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, evolution, man. Do we have to subscribe to Sasquatch? Mouse shop? Maybe not. But but I can I can get on board with Pukwudgie. So basically, um, the Pukwudgie were cute little things that were really jealous of Maoshop and his relationship with the native people. They wanted their affection, and they couldn't. They were just like so. Oh, Maoshop, we love you. And the Pukwudgie were like not getting into. They're like you, little like the fleas. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Trying to like jump up and like be like, "Hi, we're here!" But suck Mouse the blood. So big, but yeah. um. So, he, um, they started kind of like a little annoying little brother. They started, like, doing, like, little annoying things. Tricks and, like... Little tricks and, like, hiding mm. things or nothing too violent or, like, bad. Just trick trickster things. So, then the native people got so upset about this that they had Maoshop, um, toss them out, literally. So he, when he tossed them out, he was so big that he spread them across the Massachusetts. So they, some of them. Landed. See, that is sounding like Scientology there. <laughs> Volcano. Ron Hubbard. God damn it. <laughs> he got into the story this, too somehow. See, this is how. This is where he probably came up with it. Right? Seriously. Um. So. So they're all over Massachusetts. Sue's not just in the yep. Bridgewater Triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. And they look like this guy well, in actually, the beer can. Yes. They're all throughout Our New little, England. They're little, like, yeah. Throughout New is it a little hedgehog, this he guy? He is, yeah. They're, like, any story you hear, they're about this big, yay big, which, for those who can't But they have, I never heard of they've, this before. They've been fucking Just people. like Jackets, we've not heard of it. about this. I Puckwudgie, because you don't listen to lore. Basically fairies, right? Yes. Like, it's. Hairy we, fairies. It's like. This is all over. This isn't something no. that it, we're talking about. No, it's Massachusetts. Local to this well, area. it's like local to like New England. Uh, New England. Sure. Uh, like Puckwudgies are New England's fairy. Yes. Like Ireland's fairy. Yes. Okay. Um, so they Puckwudgies were pissed, and so they lured uh, Maoshop and his brother into um, a deep grass and shot them dead with magic arrows. That's unfortunate. Um, which mm. was unfortunate, yes. Um, oh, sorry. Made a mistake. Maoshop actually had sent his two sons to fight. It wasn't, it was his two sons mm, that went out. He sent the sons to do his to dirty, do his dirty work. work. Because he was like, dudes, I've done my job. I made Cape this Cod. This is why I had kids. I made Cape Cod. do my bidding. Yes. That's why I had kids. Yeah. <laughs> right? We know that. <laughs> you have no bidding to do, Renee. So. Just wait. Not yet. <laughs> just, just wait. Uh, basically, um, Maoshop, after after this whole thing happens where the Pukwudgie kill his sons, he gets really depressed and kind of disappears from the Wampanoag um, mythology. You never hear from him again. Um, the Pukwudgies just, from then on, because they just 
didn't have any love from the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. They just were real mean. Um, they started um, killing, like, kids, luring, luring them into the forest. And um, this is, like, kind of interesting to me because I, we talked about it before. I think, I think we were recording where we said, like, that it's interesting to me when, like, things that, that ba bad that happen are, like, kind of have a film of folklore over it in order to help people deal with, deal it, with it easier. Mm -hmm. So, like, if a kid goes missing or a kid shows up dead, it's easier to, like, blame it on the Pukwudgie rather than deal with the fact that someone in their community may have done something terrible. Mm -hmm. So it gets kind of dark. Um, Did the Pukwudgie first show up in Irish lore or in the Native American Native lore? Native American. Okay. Specifically Native American lore. Um, so then I, I added a couple of, like, fun facts about the Wampanoag tribe because I think we need a little bit of, like... Flavor. Uh, you know, flavor. We need a little bit of uh, positivity after the past couple weeks. Um... So, just a fun fact, the Wampanoag have a matrilineal system, like nice. many indigenous people of the northeastern woodlands, in which women controlled property and hereditary status was passed through the maternal line. You're goddamn right. So, does right. that mean that the jackets are, like, it's run by women? Because it <laughs> I don't is, think they're run by anyone, but, like, second they cousins. They Yeah. I don't brothers and sisters yeah. going yeah. to town. Sisters, the mayonnaise sandwiches. Or sisters and sisters. Yeah. Who are we to say that? Yeah. Wrong? This you know? is true. Right. This is right. true. We're gonna be sued by the jackets. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They might have an org, a dot org, that we have to worry about. <laughs> They're nonprofit. Yeah. Put that in the notes. Um, so I'm gonna end on a higher note. Um, so we have the Thunderbird, which is a legendary creature in Native American legends um or folklore um it's so i didn't know that this is what they were called but you know at the top of a totem pole yeah um, that big bird that's at the top that's a thunderbird who knew so, yeah i did not I didn't, know I didn't that know. um it's considered a supernatural being of power and strength it's known to have harsh punishments for people who have done wrong and is said to have turned an entire village to stone for wrongdoings um, but the th alternatively, um, the Thunderbird was known to give life by nurturing the life forms on Earth and giving them the necessary rains to survive. Um, but sort of like a godlike creature because they can also destroy what they they created yeah. if they're not happy with how it's going. Um, so the Thunderbird is thought to be a physical embodiment of the elements as well as a noble spirit that would protect humans from evil spirits. So it's some um, the thunderbird is something that protects people um because they were thought to have been descended from the human race at some point. Um in 1980, Boston Magazine reported that the police sergeant Thomas Downey spotted a six-foot-tall winged creature while driving late at night on a country road. So I can attest to this because from... I grew up in West Bridgewater, and from Raynham Route 44, I believe, to 
Route 106, there's a road called Scotland Scotland Street. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And on either side is the Hockmock Swamp, I think, is on either side of this road. And it's dark road, no lights on either side, just trees and forests. And one, it was a day, it was daytime. I was driving, taking the shortcut home from a friend's house, and I saw a massive, massive bird fly from like over on the right side, like over my car to the left side. And then I just, it just like disappeared. Like I didn't see where it landed. I like remember stop, like stopping my car. And I so size wise, huge. Like pterodactyl, huge. The big as the car. Like there's nothing you bigger could compare a, it to. No chance. I was just gonna say, no chance it was a hawk. Bigger than a hawk. No chance it was an eagle or an owl. No. Owls, I don't feel. I feel like I never. They're nocturnal, and it was during mm. the day. And I don't. I've never seen been an drinking. owl. Yeah. Mm. The owl or Susie? Both. <laughs> Both. But you told me the story. Yeah. And you were very sure that it was a rather big, huge huge bird. So Mm -hmm. I would have to say that in my mind, I imagine the Mothman or this Thunderbird thing being like enveloping the car, like it being so big that it shadowed you. And what age were you? Well, it must have been... Sixteen. Yeah, I was in high school, so probably seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. And you still remember it? Yeah. Yeah. Thunderbird. What color? Do you remember the colors? It was black. Yeah. Oh, that's even stranger. Yeah. Because I can't think of a of a bird that big, known bird that is black. Into my memory, like so much, I could never. When you stopped, did you like? I. Like stopped on the side of the road and like tried. I was like, "Where did that thing? What go. was that? And where did it go?" And I could not find it. And you I told didn't your stick, stick around now. <laughs> and you were right in that known area yeah. where there yeah, been but sightings. that stretch where there's no houses because it is more developed, like on the West Bridgewater side of it. Mm-hmm. There are houses um, on both sides, but. There's like a stretch that's literally nothing on both sides. Isn't that where we got that's the trail? Of, yeah, so where where we got it was um, like west of that, like just to the west of that, like right over the highway, yep. over Route 24 yep. on the left side. Um, yeah, that was where we entered the swamp. The swamp. The swamp. Were you in Rainham? What town were you in? Yeah. Yep. Rainham going to West Bridgewater. No, sorry. Bridgewater. Were you in Bridgewater, Bridgewater on the line? But I was coming home from Rainham because if you get off of 24 and take, um, so I, I took the Bridgewater exit. That's what it was. I took the Bridgewater exit and it's 104. Mm-hmm. That's what route it is. It's, it connects 104 to 106. And that big clusterfuck of a yeah. rotary. That, uh, like, Bridgewater Center. It's, like, the other side that. of that. It's, like, yeah. closer to the highway. It's, like, very... You would only find that road if you were looking for it. Kind of thing. Or if Susie was taking you on a Bigfoot 
yes. tour hunt hike. Mm. in the Hockamock Swamp. Which happens frequently. Uh, you can call to book a tour. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> One's leaving every hour on the hour. Wow. Is that... Is that that's 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 it. the and cryptozoology. Those are the and cryptozoology of the Hawkmock Swamp. Wow. Please rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at D underscore classy underscore fied underscore podcast. And you can also find us on our website at declassifiedpodcast.com. Classy is with a Y. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye. Stay declassied. Bye.